luckily for me, I got a good group of friends that now support me and help me and build me up. Brian being one of them who is not here. May he rest his soul. Um, and then uh, Andrew, who was on here recently. What did you say? I said he'll be fine. He, I don't know. He seemed a little hurt. He'll, yeah. We So did you tell him we called him before, right before? I can't believe it. We, we, we did we, not. Yeah, we talked to him right before this, and he's like, oh, you know, I used to be on this podcast. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he's fine. He's just a big baby. <laughs> He'll grow up one day. It's Came fine. for Will, stayed for Brian. Now they're staying for Vincent. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome to the church split. My name is Will. You guys know what we do here. We help you escape your church's echo chamber, learn to think biblically, and of course, challenge the status quo, and hopefully avoid church splits because we're all about unity here. Some people might think that's a little ecumenical, but it is what it is. So, uh, today we have a special guest with us. I know I recently said that we're going to have Brian with us full time. But I'm the better Brian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even Brian, but I'm a better Brian. You you know you are a better Brian. You, you at least keep better yourself looking. in better shape. So, <laughs> Sorry, Brian. Sorry, Brian. Not really, but kind of. <laughs> so, uh, guys, for those who do not know... Um, my buddy Vincent is here with us today. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But first, do not forget to like and subscribe to The Church Split and also leave us a bunch of five-star reviews and make them fun reviews. Uh, I prefer spicy reviews. Um, keep it up. Although somebody can throw some compliments my way instead of keep complimenting Brian, it'd be really good if Will got like one. That'd be, that'd be nice, but maybe I'd not. like a review. You'd like a review? I would like a review. You know, Andrew got a review when he was on here recently. Yeah. Yeah, he's cooler than me. I mean, he's got an accent. That's the yeah. only reason why he's cooler. Otherwise, Andrew's actually kind of lame. He lives like an old man. Anyway, we're getting off track. So, uh, guys, today we have a special guest. Um, it is my old friend, Vincent. I am not going to reveal his last name uh, because he's a missionary. And he's not a missionary to anywhere, but he's a missionary to an undisclosed location that we cannot name because otherwise it would be uh, very bad for his mission field. So he's going to a place where actually Christianity would be considered illegal uh, and all that good stuff. So um, do not, if you know him, do not tag him in this video. Do not put his last name out there. He is simply Vincent, he who must not be named, okay? So you're like Lord Voldemort. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, kind of <laughs> like that. Except so, you said it. But. Except you said it. So the thing is, is guys, also, Vincent and I have a long history of disagreeing with each other. We have been good friends most of our lives, and we grew up together. He's, we've seen each other both through every awkward phase probably possible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, we've come a long way, but we have a historical uh, tradition of disagreeing with each other. So I just the reason why I'm saying that is because Vincent obviously has supporters from people here statewide, and I don't want th people to think that just because they're on the church split that Vincent agrees with me on everything, or that he endorses all of our be our like very facetious behavior. So um, <laughs> he's still a good friend, and we are not going to sit there and make that a big deal. I just wanted to make sure we got those introductory remarks out of the way. Yeah. Um, and I would like to say thank you for letting me be on here the third time. I, I wanted to be very clear about that. So, um, so I'm gonna tell. I have to tell this story. T tell and the story, so, man, because I told yeah. my side. You tell yours. So a while ago, uh, probably the very first King James only episode, uh, Will had mentioned a friend. Uh, he said, "You know, I I may have changed in a lot of things, uh, but one thing I'll never change." is the, the King James only position. And it was it was a little over five years ago. Uh, we were sitting at your other house. Yeah. My wife and I had been married for a week, uh, and we had, had come to visit them and preach at his church. And uh, he told me that. That was me who he said that to. And then um, 
And then just a, uh, and I was King James only, and I was surprised when you changed. And and then uh, and then recently he had made another video about how the friend had. It was very snarky, very very snarky. William's trash, but uh, <laughs> but how I how that person was no longer King James only and whatnot, and it, but it was not a public thing. It's a public thing now. And so being on here for the third time is uh, is really a privilege. So I, I, uh, yeah, it's it's out there now. You like so. how I gossip about you on the program before I let you on it? Huh? You like how I gossip about you yeah, on the program? Yeah, exactly. Before yeah, just I let you on it, telling stories and stuff. But to be fair, I didn't name who you were. That was actually really funny because you guys have no idea how long he is harassing me. He's like, <laughs> "You, I am no longer King James only. You need to redact that statement." And then I did like a King James only uh, video, and you're like, "Will." For crying out loud, why didn't you redact your statement? Yeah, I know. You should have. And you did. I did eventually. You did. With a nice layer of snark. Yeah, yeah. And now and now here I am, public about it and everything. Yeah, I don't like how you're attacking me on this program right now. Yeah, you're fine. I'm feeling, I don't know, I'm feeling very attacked. Like you my should. safe space has been invaded. That's our friendship, though. I mean, <laughs> so we actually grew up in the same church together. And uh, he's a little older than me. And then you can tell, I mean, he's aged roughly. But uh, <laughs> no, a little older than me. And... Uh, and he always, he was the bad kid for sure. You were the bad kid. And I was kind of like, eventually I was kind of like the golden child yeah, you who were, became the bad kid. You because were obnoxiously I you. the golden child. Yeah, yeah. You and, were like everything the IFB wanted you to be. And I was over here like not caring. <laughs> yeah, but we also were friends. And so it was weird because it was like, it was like the age old story about how like you ruined golden children i guess is i how. guess you never brought me <laughs> up i just dragged you down that's yeah yeah that's what happened <laughs> that's so true so yeah guys you have no idea so we grew up in the same church together uh we saw each other through all the phases we've always we had a lot of history of disagreeing with each other you were given warnings about being friends with me oh yeah yeah by people they're like okay well you were because you mentioned some books that i let you read and the person was like okay but if you're getting books from will you know. Yeah, you know they're trash. Yeah, yeah exactly. I list a lot of things, like just everything. Yeah. yeah. And then you've also, uh, even as a missionary, you've had flack about being friends with me. Just, yeah, being friends just with Just being you. friends. Yeah. Like no, no agreement or disagreement. Like you're friends with him? Okay, well, we don't like you. Uh, yeah, so I just find that funny. It's crazy. It has been nuts. <laughs> so yeah, for all of you guys who just, just so you're well aware, Vincent and I have a long history together. Uh, again, I've known them. Uh, so when you were really hardcore in, in, uh, uh, with the IFB, if you will, and I know this is not an IFB based episode, by the way, this is just our history. Yeah, okay, very so. distinctly not an IFB based episode. Yeah, very much so. Uh, but it was funny cause even when you were really in it, it uh, so just so you know how much of a history we've had of disagreement, there was a period of time where basically Vincent's like, okay, maybe I should break fellowship. Yeah, I will. disowned him for like three years. <laughs> <laughs> so it's and it just shows, goes to show that eventually we all change and grow and grow up and admit that when we're wrong and arrogant and probably didn't know all that they thought they did vincent you know it's okay says you change in doctrines every week oh <laughs> man all right okay all right As, i asked for that That's that was fair. a conditional joke it was just it was just conditional uh, uh, okay, you're you're getting ahead of my the sorry, program here. Sorry. Spoilers, man. Hey, you know what? Yeah, it's too late. You already told me, so I already said it. You can cut it out. Okay, fair enough. Edit that out. Just kidding. Keep that in. Okay. <laughs> now, with all that being said, we wanted this to be a, a, a an episode about missions because we're moving uh, the church split into the idea of 
back to the what's the main thing. So we like to talk about issues that divide churches, and we like to talk about theology and apologetics as it relates to unity in the church, because this unity is such a big thing in the church now. And people can say I'm ecumenical. I've been called a compromiser, but I literally like to just keep the main thing the main thing because the apostles didn't divide over the King James. The apostles didn't uh, uh, divide over eschatology. You know, these things they didn't divide over. So let's keep the gospel the gospel, right? Yeah. That's the focus. And then we can have fun coffee discussions. We can have like little sassy conversations. Like a good friend of mine, Sam, you know who you are. Um, so he, him and I, we'll have sassy conversations and it's a good time. And it's, as long as we understand the fact that we're still brothers in Christ. So, um, with that being said, you're a missionary. You've been a missionary to this undisclosed country before you're going back. And there's a lot that people don't realize that missionaries to put up with, right? There's, That's correct. There's a whole nother level of challenges. I have a big issue. I would like to have some other missionaries on to talk about the idea of missions reform because I think our mission system is very broken because it puts missionaries in an increasingly difficult position to get on the field. So we're going to talk about yeah. that a little bit. Today. Yep. Awesome. Also, guys, if you can, uh, here is Vincent's email at the very bottom of the screen here. Feel free to email Vincent uh, if you'd like to find a way to get in touch to support his ministry or get more information about what's going on that we can't put on publicly. Also, we'll put his Patreon in the description below so that way you guys can support him as well if you can. Yeah, and if and if you guys, any watchers connected with like the RFP group or the Church Lit Apologetics group or whatever, I'm on there too. And so if you guys want to I'll reach out on Facebook or whatever, how that works. You guys can find me there too. Yep. So if you know a church that might want be interested or you just want to support him personally, we will find ways to make that happen. So that, again, email at the bottom of the screen. And uh, you can also just email us at thechurchsplit at gmail.com and we'll put you in touch, okay? So with that being said, uh, what is the job of a missionary, Vincent? So we've talked about that. And now let's just, just dive in. I think this is going to be good for a lot of people. Yeah, so yeah, I wrote, I wrote some notes down here. These are all, by the way, my notes. I wrote, Will's stealing them from me, but That's I true. wrote these down. No, the, the job of mission, obviously there are different types of missionaries. There are, you know, church planting missionaries. There are, you know, uh, AIDS missionaries, stuff like that. There's a ton of different types. Uh, but I think that the main type, the the main focus of the missionaries, the Great Commission, Matthew twenty eight nineteen through twenty. I joke. I, I've I've been on deputation for a year, and I always joke that you cannot go, you cannot present your ministry as a missionary without at least hearing Matthew uh, chapter twenty at least once through the service. And so, as a missionary, uh, I have to read this. <laughs> so it says, "Go therefore and make disciples of all nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so church planting missionaries and missionaries in general, their focuses should be evangelism, uh, church, uh, starting churches, training nationals. It's, it's um, salvation, baptism, discipleship is the main focus of missions. Right. So it really comes down to, and that is, and I know, like, it's so true. Like, what missions conference does not have Matthew 28, 19 through 20? Of course, it's going to be there. But it does kind of give you the idea of, and also notice how what the focus is that Christ was saying. Observing the thing, teaching them to observe the things I've commanded you and teaching them about me, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So we see a very certain central theme there. And we probably shouldn't be uh, disbanding missionaries over certain things. But we'll talk yeah. a little bit more about this. So, yeah. but church planting uh, missionaries. So you have the evangelism, right? Yep. 
starting churches and training nationals. Yeah. Well, um, so what about, so uh, this is something I wanted to ask you about on here. I don't think I got, gave this as a preparation question. That's fine. But one of the things that people say all the time when it comes to missions is they don't realize how important it is to train nationals. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, so especially the, the field where I'm, again, every missionary has their own philosophy, and I've seen a lot, but I am a firm believer that training nationals is the way to go, um, especially in restricted nations like the one I'll be working in. I will never be effective um, as effective in the country that I'm going to, and no missionary to a restricted area is going to be as effective uh, by themselves. I will stick out. I will have legal repercussions. I could get kicked out. And in a lot of ministries where the missionary goes over and stays at one church forever, the moment that that missionary gets ripped out of the equation, the gospel dies in that country. And so training nationals is is essential to um, to church planting, is essential to that. Because when, when, for instance, the country I'm going to, there's a high chance that I could get kicked out um, that when I leave, the gospel is was not counting on me alone, that when a national train, they can take it further um, than anybody else. They can do so much more with it than I could be ever be able to do. And it can it can multiply rather than just me, uh, you know, building a ministry around myself in that country. Absolutely. And so then, I mean, you've actually seen somebody get kicked out, right? Yeah, yeah. So I lived in this country. Uh, for three years, and during my first year, the um, the the police showed up to our church, um, and I thankfully I was not there. Um, I was out of the country at the time, and that was that was the Lord kind of uh, protecting me. It allowed me to stay in the country uh, for the next two years. But yeah, the the police showed up at our church, dressed as husband and wife and some kids, and in the middle of Sunday school, uh, they got up and they they showed their badges and they. I told everybody to go go home. They sent uh, security people to watch that church building from then on. So we had to move buildings and reorganize under national leadership. And under that leadership, it's been able to uh, remain. Um, we, we had some other struggles like that. But for, from, the, from the moment that the national pastor took over, the, the security risks were completely uh, gone. The only time there'd be a problem is when I when I showed up again because I'm white. And so it, it I attracted attention. <laughs> you stick out. I do. I definitely do. Yeah. Yes. So that makes sense. So um, now one of the other things that we're entitling this episode is Make Missionaries, Theolo- Missionaries Theologians. Again. Yeah. And I snatched that from you. That's yeah, true. I did. I did. So he, you had you made this made this post and then eventually made a t-shirt and said, Make Pastors Theologians Again. You can actually get it on our uh, website. You know, I should probably make a missionary one too while I'm at yeah, it. Yeah. And that's why I made, I made the, it was, I was like, you should make this because I'll buy that. I don't, the pastors thing is not as applicable to me, but yeah, I very strongly that missionaries should be uh, theologians. And so I'm just going to jump right in unless you got Do something. Do your thing, man. I'm yeah. just here. So uh, here's the problem. Uh, and we're going to talk about a little, uh, a little bit about this. We're actually, the whole episode is going to be about this is that missions, uh, a lot of times I've found that missionaries are discouraged um, from theologies in ways that, that people might not be aware of in ways that maybe are not as recognizable. When you say it on the, on the surface, you're like, you know, some people say missionaries shouldn't be a theologians. Everybody would deny a statement like that. It's Absolutely. so strong. It's so uh, blatant. People, they're like, no way, nobody does that, but, but they do. Um, but before we kind of get into the, the, the issues with it, uh, I want to make a case for um, theology. All of the things, evangelism, starting churches, and training nationals requires 
uh, theology, for evangelism. It requires an understanding of what the gospel is. What do you believe when the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the deity of Christ and, and apologetics? I know you had uh, there's quite a few episodes where you had the uh, the president of your university, right? Is that yeah, well, Braxton I, Hunter? Yeah, we've had Dr. Braxton Hunter on. Yeah. We've had Dr. Tim Stratton. Uh, we've had um, a pro-life apologist. We've done apologetics episodes. Yeah, and apologetics, I think I, we won't go into it as, as detailed uh, due to that, but um, evangelism and apologetics are, are tied together. Uh, people have questions and people want to know hearts. I remember I have a friend, uh, a friend named Josh, who uh, I was witnessing to him while I was at work, and it, it was days, it was weeks in the making, because he wanted to know the answers to every single question uh, that he had apologetically before he was even willing to listen to the gospel. And uh, he did get saved, and so, but uh, apologetics was super important, and theology then uh, would be tied to that that you need to know what you believe, you need to know why you believe it, and you need to be uh, ready to talk about it. Starting churches um, requires, involves, obviously, the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. And to do this, you have to study, and you have to know what you believe. Um, discipleship requires that we are, are being detailed about the commandments of what God's Word teaches. And training nationals, this one's absolutely essential. We all expect ministers um, to be theologians and so in order to do that as a missionary, I have to know theology. Um, and it has to be more than just, I know what I was taught. Uh, anybody who's ever taught any type of class knows that the teacher needs to know more than the student. The teacher needs to have very detailed knowledge about what they believe so that they can pass that on. And, uh, and if you don't have that, you're not going to be able to fulfill that function uh, as a missionary. Any thoughts about those? Oh, yeah, so many. I was over here like, oh, there's a lot there. But yeah. it's true. So um, especially when you're so when you're in a foreign country um, or so because I, I think you're going to talk about this a little bit, mm -hmm. but these people aren't. It's not like the Western world, which has a strong connection to yeah. Christianity or even theism or classical theism as we know it. In fact, it is uh, it's completely the opposite. You know, it's, it's Western, and then there's like Middle Eastern religions, and there's Eastern religions, and then there's like African religions. Yeah. There's so many different views, mm -hmm. um, and so you're not you have to go way back. You have to peel it way back. You can't build even from some of the same presuppositions as you might hear. Yeah. So, yeah, you, of course, need to study that yeah. stuff. Apologetics would, of course, help because it's going to help you train locals to understand the, the Christian worldview. And then when it comes to study theology, this freaks people out all the time. I'm actually very thankful that I work with a pastor who currently, as it stands, is okay with me constantly studying theology and navigating that field. And he's like, I'm glad you do that because that's not one of my passions. But uh, he's like, you know, not one of those things where I want to dig constantly in, into 40,000 different directions. He's like, you know, that's just not his cup of tea. He's very much a counselor and personable type and a person of the community kind of thing, mm -hmm. which is good. It's fine. Yeah. That's good, yeah. too. So everyone uh, has different giftings. Yeah. Exactly. So but what happens a lot of times with missionaries is as soon as you start studying theology, because here's here's. OK, so let's say you are a reformed missionary. Well, if all you ever did was teach reformed theology, but you did not understand any other theology besides Reformed theology, mm -hmm. then you are going to be at a major disadvantage when you enter that mission field and people start asking questions that might be outside of your little wheelhouse that you're familiar yeah, with. Yeah, outside of the, the echo chamber. That's, yeah, 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 hey, hey. Hey. yeah, there it is. No, yeah, and so we, I mean, we can, we don't, we don't have to follow notes. We can open that can of worms now if you want to. Go ahead, man. Yeah, and so, yeah, that's that's actually one of the things that, that is a, a struggle as a, 
as a missionary is that um, there are difficulties that missionaries face that pastors uh, might not face. And, uh, and it's not the pastor's fault. It's, it's nobody's fault. Uh, but missionaries have a different struggle. Uh, for instance, um, there's a completely different philosophical framework uh, for the native people, whatever country you're going to go to. They're not going to think like you think. It's very easy for us as Americans to kind of you know, even as we talk, we can uh, discuss theology, we can discuss something, and, and every the, the, we know the train of thought to convince somebody. If this, and then this, and then this, and then this, then to our rational minds, this all makes sense. And you're like, yeah, I'm following you. They won't. They, they don't even think the way that you think. And so when you're trying to explain something that, that seems totally logical to you, it doesn't, that is completely foreign to their concepts of thinking. Um, there's no cultural Christianity um, in, in the foreign mission field, especially where I'm going. And so they have, they don't even have a concept of what doctrines are considered orthodox. So we're talking about, well, yeah, every Christian believes in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, every American knows that that's what Christians believe. Every American knows that Jesus was God. Every, they don't, they don't even know that. You, you, you talk about a God who creates the universe. They didn't know that. That's not even a concept that they're like, oh yeah, I bet you Christians, I bet you that's a totally normal thing for people to believe. So you have to fight the battle of just explaining to them that this is a normal thing to believe as a Christian. Uh, there are no echo chambers. There's This is one of the huge things in that um, you don't have a congregation of like, here, let, imagine you have a new person in your church of a hundred people. You know, you're discipling that new person. You're talking about a doctrine. And you, the thing is, is when you're telling as a minister, you're telling um, someone that this is what the Bible teaches. You've got a hundred people in your church to back you up on this thing. And, and for better or for worse, you know, you have a hundred <laughs> people backing you up on this thing. You don't have that. You are one foreign guy who thinks differently, who grew up in a different culture, who acts differently, who's trying to convince 40 people who none of them agree with him that this totally makes sense when all the 40 people are looking at you like, what are you talking about, man? That doesn't make sense at all. And those are problems that we don't, you don't even think that you're going to have to face this. And, and in the, it's, it's, it's going to require a deeper knowledge than this is just what we've done all the time. Or yeah, I mean, look at every church around the, there are no churches around your area that teaches yeah. you're it. Well, when you go to a Baptist church, you're like, oh, I'm going to Baptist doctrines. If I go to Pentecostal church, I know what to expect. Yeah. You know, cause that's what that is. You don't have that luxury. Yeah. You're. They don't know. They don't even know what that means. And when you said they, they don't have no framework for Orthodox Christianity, like that, that's like, oh yeah, we know like as standard Christians are Trinitarians. Yes. Yeah. Three, three persons and one being, uh, which is not logically contradictory. Well, so then with them, you, you're probably going to have to work through modalism. No, it's not modalism. No, it's not different person, like completely different beings. It's not polytheism. This is... You know, it, you, it's a whole nother structure. You have to learn how to make a dissertation on the Trinity. Yes. You yeah, know? In, in detail. Yeah. Because exactly. You're not going to be able to just say, no, this is just what the Bible says. They don't, they're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to give the Bible the benefit of the doubt because we've always, 
you know, we respect the Bible even if they're not Christian. They don't even know about the Bible. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't care about what this book says. They've got other books of their own. And so you have to, there's so much required just to even begin explaining the gospel and explaining right. theology. Which is why it's so important that we allow missionaries to kind of grow in that sense. You know, even if you don't agree, like there's so many theologies I disagree with, yet I studied them and I understand them. Why? So that way when I talk to somebody who holds to that position... I can respond intelligently to it. Yeah. And even, and you know what? Sometimes, and this is the other thing that it's like, you made the joke, and it's a funny joke about uh, like, well, Will, you change doctrines every week. And that was, that was hilarious. But it, the whole thing is, okay, am I willing to challenge my doctrines? Right? Like, that's a good mm -hmm. question. Are we willing as theologians, as pastors and missionaries to challenge our theology and be willing to shift when the evidence seems to outweigh something. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, if the evidence outweighs, again, my my commitment is to the truth. My commitment is not to a particular creed. It's not to a particular group's thinking. It is what is truth, and I'm going to challenge that truth. And I've noticed a lot of the people who get upset when missionaries study theology or when pastors study theology and go a different direction or have a different beliefs they get very upset because they feel unsafe if they leave what they're familiar with. But then what they end up doing is they clip the wings of the pastor or the missionary. Because as a pastor, I've experienced this as well, mm -hmm. where I was, uh, you know, the church splits were because I had different theological positions. Than, uh, well, some of, some of it was a straight-up moral issues that we were having, but other ones were just someone disagreed with me theologically. One lady was irritated, was mad that we didn't do head coverings, which we're going to be talking about today a little bit, <laughs> which will be hilarious. But... When you're dealing with this, it was one of those things when I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. And we are we, we make it a bad thing to study theology and to shift your positions as yeah. opposed to that should be something that if we're all moving toward the same goal, which is truth, we should be okay with that. But most of the people who get upset about it have not even studied it. Yeah. I remember even talking about, so with the King James only issue, um, and this is not a King James only episode, but this is this is where I've personally experienced the most flack. Um, I remember, uh, I remember it was about eight or nine months ago now. Um, you know, I, I had reached out to to Will after having disowned you for quite a few years, <laughs> and uh, after listening to the RFP and uh, and in hearing the statement, you know, the truth truth doesn't fear a challenge, and that was a really um, that's a good good phrase. I know they, they just released a podcast on what it means, and uh, and uh, but I had heard that statement. I was like, you know what? I, I've been enjoying this podcast. You know, I've been a, I've been a turd, you know, and so I'm gonna reach out to Will, and just see how he's doing. And so we we talked, we video called, and and I was still King James only, but I think I was pro I'd probably be more TR only at that point. And mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I don't agree with you, Will, um, but I would be interested because at this point, you know, I've read all the books. You know, like I've read. I've read all the normal King James only books, and uh, but I never I realized I had never read the other side, and I was like, you know, Will, I would love to, um, you know, what's the best book that you have for this issue? Because, uh, you know, because you know, truth doesn't fear a challenge. If I, if I'm right and you're wrong, uh, then then reading this book should not should not hinder me. And I've read books I didn't agree with that that didn't change me, but you know, so I was like, what is a good book? And so I, you know, I grabbed that book by James White and and started reading it and and uh, just to understand the position. And then and lo and behold, uh, I was wrong. <laughs> and so and, uh, and and so and obviously I took a long time to become public about that and to to confirm my stance 
um, because it, it's, you know, I wanted to study the other side. I wanted to know what the other side said because, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously a big doctrine to some. And, uh, and unfortunately, when even, even studying that stuff can kind of be discouraging, I was discouraged from studying the other side. And, uh, and because of it, I've, I've lost over half my support um, just over that issue, which is hard. Um, but again, truth is more important. Right. And so, and I, and I didn't do it because, you know, I wanted to be edgy or because uh, I did it because I wanted to know the truth and I wanted to study the other side. So at the very least I could be, uh, challenged and, uh, and know the other side of the argument way better. Right. And then just so you, everyone's aware too, cause I have a few people that like to watch our channel and troll it or TR only us, which is a I find a very fallacious position. Uh, every every claim I've ever said, I'm like, that's not what that seems. That seems a little far fetched. Uh, like some people will be like, well, there's people who make who have that reading that are early church fathers. I'm like, how early? Like 450 something AD. I'm like, you mean 400 years after Christ? Okay, that's not really an early church father there, buddy. And that's anyway, not even the mm-hmm. original languages, but. Just so you, people know, it wasn't just James White because people. Some it people wasn't. Like, that's where I started, and then. Yes. And then, yeah. Do you have it, conversations even with Mark Ward? Yeah, yeah. I talked to Mark Ward. I love. He's awesome. If you haven't checked out his, uh, if you haven't checked out his uh, discussion on the RFP group, you should definitely listen to that. And then a lot of reading, a lot of everything. I don't want to base it on you. Know, like if one, you know, you can read one book, and if that if that was enough to change your mind, either you didn't know what you believed, or you're putting a lot. Of, I I didn't put all my faith in James White. I was I wanted to know because this is huge. I'd been taught this my whole life. Yeah. Well, James <laughs> White was the first one where I read it, and I was like, okay, oops. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So maybe 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 there is a good reason to look into the, the other way. And then mm-hmm. I, I just started this huge rabbit hole. But I always tell people to start there with James White because I just think it's. At least enough there to make you go, hmm. I got to look this up. Maybe I need to look into this a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, it was through that that I actually got into textual criticism. Now, I haven't gone down the textual criticism path in, path in a while. I, I have been finding myself because more and more I'm getting more. This is not a King James only episode, but we're talking about it, whatever. Um, I'm finding myself more and more people who are disagreeing with James White because we already said James White on. So I have people getting more upset and responding to me. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't gone down that rabbit hole in a while. I used to be able to run circles around people with that like 10 years ago. But, bro, it's been like 10 years since I've researched all that. It's been a long time. And I just have some basic notes around here. But anyway, <laughs> um, so that is the whole thing there. So really, it, you have to be able to study. And you ha- and I think one of the things for you, like also as a, as a missionary to where you're going, um, you realize that being King James only doesn't really work when yeah, you have it, another country, right? Yeah, like, yeah it, doesn't, it doesn't work. And obviously, so like full disclosure, where I'm going, they actually have a few different Bible versions um, and one of them is TR based, uh, and I and and that was the one I was planning to use, you know. But uh, lo and behold, surprise, surprise, it doesn't agree with the King James, even though it's TR based. They there's there's completely different wordings and completely different everything. And so, uh, you know, if again, we're not trying to make this a King James only episode, but if you know, if, in in the words of of many a people, if one word changes, you know, the whole thing. Well, it it does. And so, what are you gonna <laughs> what are you gonna which one's the word of God? And so. It's just, yeah, it's a wild, it's, it's a, a wild, wild time. time. Yes. So anyway, so, 
Uh, now, the, one of the biggest things is, is of course, you've gotten flack for wanting to study other positions um, and whatnot. We don't need to go into that. I don't think it's going to be mm-hmm. it's a fruitful conversation. No, really. it's not. Yeah. Um, but you have gotten flack for it, mm, and that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you've gotten flack for it, even though you didn't even change positions on anything. You're like, I'm going to look into this, and then it was like, whoa, timeout. You can't do that. Wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but yeah, I written down here. There are some hindrances. As a missionary, so we want to segue. Before we get into that, why don't we talk about the biblical support for actual theologians? Yeah, yeah, for theologians and missions. Yeah, so some biblical support. I wrote these down, and again, we I don't know if we're going to turn to all these, or we'll just kind of mention them. But um, for instance, Paul and his uh, Paul, obviously the the some people consider the best missionary, whatever. Um, Definitely the the OG missionary. Uh, was well known for his um, for his support of apologetics and his, his use of it. Uh, for instance, his, in Acts 17, when he uh, preached this sermon on Mars Hill to the unknown, talking to them about the unknown God, uh, he understood their gods. Not only did he, uh, he obviously knew the gospel, but he was willing to uh, to dive into their culture, to dive into what they believed, and to have a knowledge of what they believe, and to use that to draw them to the true and living God. Right. Because um, some people would find it almost insulting to refer to the one name above all names, Hashem, if we use the Hebrew term, to use him and just call him the unknown God. Some people are like, what? You can't say that. I'm like, he's using their cult. He's starting from their cultural reference yeah. point. Another thing that comes to mind from you about Paul is he is a, he's a Pharisee, right? He was a Pharisee. Yeah. And if anyone knows anything about Pharisees, they are rigorous theologians. Mm-hmm. They were, I, yeah. I actually kind of get annoyed a little bit with people call, like using the Pharisee card as always a negative thing because I'm like, they, okay, to be fair, if some dude came along and after you were told that as a Pharisee, you are the protector of the word of God, mm-hmm. and then this guy comes along and says, okay, uh, it's not this, it's actually that, this is this, it's not that. You would probably be like, this heretic right now is challenging what we the, the Torah, the Tanakh that we have defended for centuries. And I find it funny how some people give him a bad rep. I'm like, no, no, Christians, think about you today. We see that in all sorts of different different groups. If one person comes in and challenges, they're labeled as a certain heretic and cast out. Yep. That you guys are the same type of people who wouldn't have given Christ even a second to explain you would have cast them out the same as the Pharisees. Yeah. I, you could use it for any kind of doctrine, like, you know, like uh, uh, maybe I'm, I shouldn't poke this bear. You know what I mean? But imagine you're a you know a reformed theologian. You you affirm the doctrines of grace. I'll be nice. I'll I'll say it that way instead of Calvinism. But right. yeah, doctrines the doctrines of grace. of grace. And and some guy comes in and and says, you know, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. I just believe in the Bible, and that's all he says. You're you're probably gonna hit him. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> e- even even though you're wrong. I'm just kidding. I'll just I'll just leave that alone. But you know, you know, even yeah, the years and years of, of theology and of study and of and of work just for someone to kind of come in and just say, nope, without, and it just a completely new idea would make you upset, and yes. rightly so. Yeah, so anyway, that whole thing is, so he's a, he, and as a Pharisee also, he studied various different views because there was different schools of thought in mm-hmm. Judaism. You know, there was the, the ones who were like of the school of Hillel, and there's all these different groups. He had to understand all those, which means he understood the theological spectrum of Judaism. So he had to understand the spectrum in order to teach it. And here's what's awesome when you understand the spectrum, too. Um, I've used it so much in evangelism. So let's say, we use, let's take the, doctrines, the doctrine of hell, okay? So I'm trying to reach somebody, and they're like, well, I don't understand how God could torture somebody for eternity. 
okay, great. You're, that's eternal conscious torment. That is the vast majority view of Christianity. Okay. Well, then you can, you can actually sidestep that. You can give the apologetic, you know, you know uh, one sin against an eternal God is a sin against the, an eternal sin against the moral structure of the universe. You can give that argument, which is mm-hmm. kind of the eternal conscious torment idea, and then they live in rebellion, therefore they, they continue to suffer in the rebellion. Or you can be like, oh, but also there's Christians who believe that you're totally annihilated and you're destroyed infinitely. That bottom line is... Maybe you are tortured forever. Maybe you're not. Bottom line is, it's a bad place, and God judges. Yeah. And you can just kind of use apologetics and understanding the theological spectrum to caveat and shift to be able to help get to the main thing, which is repent and believe. Yeah, to get over the the issue that they're having, exactly. even though we didn't want to talk about that issue. Is that? Is, I guess we are talking about that well, too. No, no, that was just, that was just, I just was uh-huh, using that as spoiler, an example. Spoiler. <laughs> no, I was just using that as an example because I've seen a lot of people yeah. do that. Well, um, you know, some people believe this, some people believe this, some people believe that. It's not only that belief in Christianity. Yeah. And that's something that There's we have as an in-house conversation. But bottom line is, you know, in that particular situation, God mm-hmm. judges one way or the other. That's the point that God will judge. Mm-hmm. So... And we can say that about any spectrum of belief, but anyway, point is yeah. that. But so, what else do we got as far as uh, missionaries being theologians? Yeah, yeah. So Paul and in, in Titus one, um, and again, you can look this up. We won't go through into detail, but all of and in Titus one um, affirms the the um, the philosophy of the the Cretans, uh, where it says that they are slow bellies and they're all this kind of stuff and. And, uh, and so, and he had to know their philosophy. You, you don't just make that up like, oh yeah, I heard this guy down the street just say that you guys are, you guys are slow. And no, he knew what their culture said about them. And, uh, and so that was, that's happened. Um, in first Corinthians chapter 11, which is the head coverings, um, which is when they talk about head coverings, that's a super interesting one. I don't know if we'll go into total detail, but we'll equip them to study this out. It's weird. I think, I don't know if it'll be family friendly. Uh, oh, no, no, <laughs> we're not family friendly. I know. Do, have you listened to our Modesty episode yet? I haven't. I okay, haven't. I said like boobs, butt, and genitalia like 400 times. Oh, at least you didn't say n- I did. Whoa. Okay, we're going to have to censor that out. <laughs> I hope you do. That'd be awesome. No, but so Paul there, it's so interesting if you look it up. Uh, right after he talks about head coverings, he says, but, uh, you know, but we, he said, for anybody who, like, has a problem with this, you're going to have to look up the verse that says, but we have no such custom, and neither do the churches of God. We don't, this is not a rule, this this head covering thing, uh, where it says, uh, doth, and this is King James, doth not nature itself teach you that it's a shame for a man to have long hair, and they, and it says, but we don't have this custom. This is not our rule, which is super weird. Every church where they talked about this, not only did they not believe in head coverings, but they never mentioned that verse because it's super interesting. So if, 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 if Paul is affirming that we don't believe this and none of the churches actually teach this, what's the point of saying it? Why would Paul say, nature teaches you, you believe this, we don't believe this, here it is? Why? Well, uh, if you study the... Uh, Hippocratic Oath, um, and and shout out to 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 Jay Smith from the RFP fam if he uh, if he listens to this I ought to tag him in this but uh, the Hippocratic Oath you'll find um, that nature in the Greek uh, culture uh, taught that women had to have long hair in order to be able to pull uh, to procreate and if a lady had short hair they wouldn't be able to. Um, and, and the, and vice versa, uh, contrasting for men, if men had long hair, it would, it would stop them, hinder them from being able to procreate. 
And so what it essentially did is it equated women's hair with men's genitalia. And so they had to cover it because for the same reason you wear underwear, because that's disgusting. And so, <laughs> and so you should look that up. It's, it's, uh, that's just one of those super interesting ones. If you look at commentaries, it's funny because I always say, yeah, nature teaches this. And I was always like, where? Where in the world does nature teach this? You know, lion, male lions have long hair. Female lions have short. In fact, I can't think of, I can't think of anything naturally scientific where this is taught. Um, but he, I don't believe Paul was saying that right, the actual, um, I don't think what Paul was saying is the, when God created nature, this is what he intended. I think he was making a point to Greeks who knew their own science that, listen, your science, not ours, we don't have this rule. Your science teaches this. And so we're going to apply your science um, to prayer and to how, um, and to how submission and, and, and stuff works in the home. Right. So. And that is, that is super weird, and uh, well, definitely something that like, wow, okay, let's look that up. But when you said that the other day, I, like last night, I think my eye was twitching a little bit. But yeah, anyway, it's, but, it's yeah. And, and then go ahead. And of course, when it comes to apologetics, um, well, Paul also exhorts Timothy as as well to be a good teacher. Yeah, give attendance to reading. Let no man despise thy youth, and and uh, you know, um, develop the gift and work on the gift that was given to you, and and teach what you have been taught. That's uh, that would be First Timothy chapter four. And then, of course, probably the biggest apologetics verse, First Peter three fifteen. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense, which is apologia, to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do so with gentleness and respect. Yeah, and then in Acts, you know, Acts chapter six, uh, you get to the the story of Stephen, and it says that when. Uh, in Acts 6, 10, it says, as Stephen's arguing with them and debating them, and, and you guys have seen it, if you've read uh, those passages, is amazing. Uh, Stephen uh, takes a whole argument, teaches the Jews from the very beginning um, how they were, were, they thought they were the heroes. They thought they were the ones. They thought they were the prophets. They were the good ones. He says, no, you killed the prophets. Uh, it's your fault. You are the one that brought blood upon your own hands. And it says in verse 10, uh, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. But he's, he's debating with them. And, and it wasn't a shallow thing. It was, well, the Bible says you're evil. No, he went through their entire history and through the Bible, step by step, showing them uh, that they were wrong. Now, through their own history, I actually yeah, preached yeah. an entire series through the book of Acts. Uh, it was one of the last... A series I did as a senior pastor. And I remember when I got to Acts chapter six and he, Stephen preached, I was like, dang, this guy's raking them over some yeah. coals. But he's showing them through an apologetic yeah. of their history, right? So that's really important. Yeah. Um, and then Acts chapter 18, four says that he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. And he had to know both. He had Jews and Greeks, two different audiences. Yeah, exactly. So he had to study their philosophies, yeah. challenge his own views. So, yeah. and then yeah. what do you got as far as yeah. Titus 1? Titus 1.9 it says, he must hold uh, firm to the trustworthy word as taught. Uh, and I know, I, I can just imagine that, you know, like that somebody like Bill Reeves or somebody is going to just take that out of context, <laughs> like as they were taught, you know, but uh, it says, so that he may be able to give instruction and in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So you have to, not only do you have to be able to tell people um, what you believe, and obviously that's important, but you have to be able to rebuke those and completely destroy the arguments of those who disagree with you. It's not enough to say, 
I disagree, and you're just, you know, you're you're a heathen and a heretic, and and you know, be gone from me or whatever. <laughs> no, you have to be able to with with theology and with logic and with uh, with proper good argumentation, we'll say no. You not only are you wrong, but here is why. Let's address every problem that you have, and if you can't give an answer, study it out and look it up. And and if you're wrong, own up to it. But either way, your job is to make sure that you can con- you can stand toe-to-toe with somebody uh, if they disagree with you doctrinally. Right, which is why missionaries need to be theologians again, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Instead of just people who go there and, and don't get me wrong, you should feed the poor and take care of everyone as well, of course, but that's why you need to be a theologian as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can't, it's not enough just to go there and be like, Jesus loves you. Yeah, I, I, think, I think as I, I might move on to the next segment just to make it because here's what i think is going to happen at this point is that you might be listening and and from whatever spectrum you are uh you might say well obviously you know who would argue that a missionary should shouldn't be a theologian who would even say that um you know who would have a problem with this you know obviously that would be the goal but i believe that there are some hindrances for missionaries that most people wouldn't recognize um, and, and you may not even think that it's wrong, um, but here's some problems that, that I know that, and again, I will, I will openly affirm uh, that I had a probably a better deputational experience than most people. I know you had Drew on here and, and Melinda, and, and they probably had it worse than I did. I, I, in fact, I would say I've, I've heard some of the stories of other missionaries, and I would openly say that I did not have the worst experience ever. Mm-hmm. But there, here's some issues. Okay, we're just going to go into it. Churches separating over terti- uh, tertiary issues, secondary issues, or third-level issues. Do you, it's so frustrating um, that things like music, uh, things like dress, things like um, uh, things like eschatology, and I get uh, you say that, and people are like, well, those are not on the same level, and, and you can decide whatever your levels are going to be. Uh, things like Bible versions, when I'm not even going to be able to, and I'll go into this later, not even going to be able to use that version anyways. Um, churches refuse to uh, to even talk. Uh, it's amazing. We'll get we'll get applications when we contact churches, you know. And you would think the application would say, and some of them do, would say, you know, what is your philosophy of missions? How do you plan to reach the nation you're going to? No. What does your, you know, what does, what, what Bible version do you use? What music do you listen to? Uh, do you like, does your wife wear pants? Or I know some, I never got this question, but a, a lot of missionaries I know, what does your wife wear to bed? Um, if I'm lucky, hopefully nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, what is your wife wear? Like, how do you how even react? How creepy is like, that? Weird. Right? Like, but, but these are things that like, that like it doesn't matter, you know. It doesn't matter where you're going. It doesn't matter how many people in that nation have never heard the gospel. It, literally, you're filtering missionaries out based upon what music they listen to. And think about how silly that is when you're dealing with like a nation that has totally different music. Yeah, exactly. Like they're not gonna like any of it. You know what I mean? They're not. Well, and, and, you read Bruchko, right? Huh? Did you read that book, Bruchko? I didn't. Okay, I didn't. missionary to the South African Indians, literal uh, South American Indians. When they sang their hymns there, the locals hated it because they said it sounded like wailing at a funeral. Our hymns sounded like wailing and mourning at a funeral yeah. to these people. I know it's it's crazy, uh, and I, I always tell pastors, I, uh, um, you know, like uh, hopefully the goal is that these people learn to write their own music so that they can worship God 
and, and you know, in their own language, or things like dress. You know, uh, I, I one, you know, people ask me, well, "What are you gonna wear to to church whenever you're gonna be over there?" Like, probably not dress clothes. It's a restricted access nation. If I wear a suit and carry a Bible every Sunday. I'm going to jail. I mean, like, <laughs> what, there's no white guy goes to country by himself and starts every Sunday wearing a suit and carrying a Bible. I mean, and I'm sure I'm hiding, you know, real incognito there. You know, it's probably <laughs> jeans and a T-shirt. So I don't go to jail, you know, and so I can stay for longer than but three weeks. Please tell me more about how I should, as a man of God, should wear a suit. So that way I can avoid, yeah. you know what, my suit's more important. Yeah. And and here's the problem is that uh, even let's say, let's say you're like, well, you know, that's ridiculous as far as, you know, dress and music and whatnot. Here's the problem that I have is that churches, not they don't, I don't know if they mean to, I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not as spicy as Will is. And so I'm, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. But here's what I've found is that churches basically require uh, missionaries to be omniscient, and I say that facetiously in theology, <laughs> meaning that we not only have to nail down fundamental issues, which absolutely, okay, if you cannot defend biblically the deity of Jesus Christ, probably you shouldn't go on the mission field. But let's say your your level of fundamentals are going to be different, but even sec- secondary or third level issues completely, like you have to nail down every single one completely no change. And listen, I'm, I'm 26. I'm older than the average missionary who gets onto the field. So most church, most, you know, Bible colleges and churches are sending out their missionaries at 22. And you're like, well, you know, and, and the pastors will admit, man, when I was 22, I felt like I didn't know anything. I've changed so much since I've been pastoring for 10 years. But lo and behold, you sent out a 22-year-old guy with no ministry experience, and and he does that same changing in 10 years, and all of a sudden, you know, his philosophy of music has changed, and and it's done. Any change causes a massive drop in support. Why? Because he admitted, I don't know everything. I don't know all the answers. Maybe I could do some more study. And and, and sometimes, uh, and, and, and I believe that, how could that not discourage a lack of study? If I knew, and I did know, uh, thankfully, I... Thankfully, I continued studying it, and I, I didn't. I didn't. I would honestly, I didn't expect this many churches to drop me over the King James issue. But if I, how could that not discourage a change in or a change in study? Imagine it could have been worse. Imagine you're like you know Mike Peters. I know and the RFP fan would know who that is. Changes on a position over the textual issue, I believe it was, and overnight lost ninety percent of his support. How could that not cause? missionaries to say, well, maybe I should wait to study this until furlough or until I can self-support or, or, you know, maybe I just won't study yeah, these Yeah, maybe issues. I shouldn't look into anything or learn anything. Yeah, because if I do, there's no way that I'm going to be able to even survive. I'm going to have to leave the field tomorrow because I ha- I can't provide for my family. I can't do anything. Yeah, what well, you're literally, and I actually uh, recently was, I talked to the chairman of the board at my church, uh, Missions, and it's actually a pet peeve of mine where it's like, well, before we support them, we need to make sure they agree with our doctrinal statement. And, okay, I'm just going to say because I will say what you can't say because this is my program and I'm allowed to do this. Uh, you be more ecumenical in your approach. But these churches that make you do that, I just find it complete and total bogus. You should have, this is what our church believes, and here's our, our fundamentals. These are our fundamentals that we don't change on. 
And so everyone who does leave need to, needs to affirm the deity of Christ, the inerrancy of Scripture, you know, uh, the blood atonement, you know, the actual fundamentals of the faith. Yep. These are the fundamentals of the faith, okay? These are our other doctrinal statements. We need you to make sure that we, you follow these main fundamentals if you're leaving from if you're if we're going to support you because bottom line is there's no way you're going to agree with everybody on everything those missionaries half of them that you have coming through your church anyway actually probably disagree with you somewhere yeah. but they are too afraid to even say it for fear of and how and let me ask you this how can you how, how many churches support an average missionary do you know uh, like how much per month is that what you mean no like, like how many churches like as far as how many like is it 10 churches 20 churches 150 about 50 yep and on average, let's say each church has 100, 100 people in it, probably actually more. But let's just say that's less. Right. But yep. when you have 100 mm. people, 50 churches, how many people is that? Exactly. Yeah, that's 5,000 people. And, oh, I need to agree with 5,000 people on every single issue? Yeah. Good luck. I mean, I can play 21 questions with anybody and find an area somewhere doctrinally where I'm going to disagree. Like, challenge accepted, man. 21 questions, let's go. That's why I personally support missionaries that come out of my own pocket, okay? I don't support them through the church. I support them through myself that I disagree with on multiple issues. I'm like, I don't believe that. I don't think that's quite accurate. I would probably say something different than that. But because they believe in the gospel, the proper way, you know, salvation is through Jesus Christ and faith and trust in him alone. And, you know, inerrancy of scripture, deity, all these things, the main fundamentals, I'm like, yeah, I'll support you because you're going somewhere where not a lot of people are. And you know what? I think that's more important than your, the way you think in this one particular area. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Uh, I would say, again, I, I'm more merciful than you, I think. I, I've said that. I think every church has a right to draw the lines where they, where they feel comfortable drawing the lines. And I think we'd all, you know, I think there might be even issues that I wouldn't be comfortable supporting somebody over, depending on what it was. And you too, I would, I would open, I would say. But here's the thing, it's like, you know, if you're talking about like Europe, you know what I mean? Where like, you know, a country might have 50 missionaries, you might have you might have the leeway to to be a little pickier with your options because you know, you know there are seven other missionaries going to the same place with with a, yeah you could be you can afford to be pickier but I'm going to a place uh, a country that would be well known in politics today and whatnot but I'm going to a place in that country fifty million people haven't seen a missionary from any denomination since the 17th century. Okay, it's not, there are no other options. Our, our, our challenge, our command in the Bible is to go everywhere. This is part of everywhere. And, <laughs> and I'm it. And, and for better or for worse, I'm it, you know? And, 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 and do, I, do I pray that God will call other people? Absolutely. But, but if, 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 you know, if you're going to separate over every issue, is it that big of an issue that, it's not like, well, I could support these other five missionaries to the same place, and okay, fair enough. But there's not. Nobody else is willing to go to this area. And if nobody else is willing to go and you have an opportunity, are you really going to let whatever issue it is be that big of an issue? You've now made it a gospel issue. Right. Well, that's why I said before, when you're ripping out off, because uh, we've also had, uh, I've mentioned Bob Raydank on, on this channel. We've had a lot of missionaries that have lost the support through crazy things. And it's like, what you're essentially saying is, first off, feeding your faith, because I, I support you, I committed to you. And when I commit to a missionary, unless that person is teaching absolute heresy, when I commit to a missionary, I'm saying, hey, I'm along with you on that journey. 
right? Mm-hmm. I support you in your journey. I want to know. I care about what's going on over there. Tell me how I can pray for you. What's going on with the locals? Yep. How are you doing? Oh, so you shift on, on an issue. Oh, that's what you think? Cool. It's not heresy. It's not one. Of the, it's not. It, okay, so you think slightly differently there. The result is the same. Um, so, for example, like, okay, whether Calvinism is true, whether Molinism is true, Arminianism, somewhere in betweenism, uh, all those, okay, whatever, um, or original sin or not original sin, but we're all become sinners or we're born sinners. Either way, all those, the gospel is the solution, right? Salvation through Jesus Christ. Okay. The solution's still the same. I really don't care. Your solution's still the same as all of our solutions. It's fine. For me, if that's why I, I get so annoyed with churches that have like this whole checklist. Because mm-hmm. for me, I'm like, we are complicating people getting the gospel. I don't, yep. we shouldn't complicate people getting the gospel. We should actually exercise a way to bring that faster. Like, okay, great. Well, let's move this. So that's why I think it's important that every church comes up with the absolute fundamentals. And I think the five fundamentals of the faith are the best ones. I just go with the five fundamentals and move along. Because then that's Orthodox Christianity. But when you're withdrawing support because you disagree on something, and it doesn't, and again, it's not a gospel issue. It's not an Orthodox issue. It's a tertiary issue. You might think it's not. You might, oh, well, this is a big deal. The the rapture is a really big deal. If they don't believe in rapture, it's the end. Oh, really? Is it? The person still believes Jesus Christ is coming back. But if you're willing to do that, that means their, their issue there, their position on that, you are willing to take away food off their table. You have to think about their children, their wife, and everything. Is it worth, as people who are called to take care of one another, to love one another, to support one another, to be a community of believers and the body of Christ, is it appropriate for the body of Christ to starve or hurt another part of the body of Christ? That's what I'm thinking. Like, I take this to a whole other level where I'm like, is it okay for the body of Christ to maim the other body of Christ, take food off their table because I disagree with you off, with, with something, to remove your the actual gospel from that field, those people that you're discipling and the influences you have to remove you from that? Why? Because I disagree with you on your pre-wrath rapture and I'm pre-trib rapture. Yeah. Or even like textual issues. Like I lost $2,000 a month support over that issue. Like, uh, I'm not even going to use that Bible over there. Like, yeah. it doesn't... And, and again, it's... Uh, every church can draw their line, but that's crazy. Yeah. But... Yeah. Anyway, so the point... That's yeah. my point. My, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to say that because that's why I get so irritated about it. I'm mm-hmm. like, we are saying that that issue is more important than the gospel, and that issue is more important than feeding their family. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's... And it's hard, you know, because... Like it's it's really hard to afford anything when you just lost all your income, and so <laughs> no. But and then anyway. for instance, uh, not only like a change. So you not only did like do the the current standards require missionaries to have absolute knowledge about every doctrine, uh, every level, to where they could never change ever again, or they lose all their support. Also, any acknowledgement that you don't have all the answers disqualifies you from support. So if you were just honest, and I've talked to people, you know, like you ask, you ask people, people can be honest, like, you know, you know, how well studied are you in, you know, for instance, eschatology? Well, some people have their thoughts, but I've, it's very rare to meet somebody who's like, absolutely, like, I've got everything nailed down, I could write it on a poster, like, that's how, you know, <laughs> they just, they, you know, they've been taught what they've been taught, and that's not a problem, like, they, but any, any part of saying, like, I'm not sure about certain things. 
or like, you know, I haven't really studied that out completely, but this is historically what I believe, or, or even saying like, you know, I'm just going to study out these issues, you know, apologetically, because I know what I believe, but I want to have a deeper knowledge of that disqualifies you. I, I, you know, to the point to where, you know, maybe you should, I was told, maybe you should step off the field because you're not firm on these issues. Like firm on what issues? The Bible versions? Because eschatology is annoyingly confusing. Like <laughs> it's, it's so difficult and everyone has confused. And, I, and, and because I'm not, because I'm 26 and not willing to say, no, no, I know I've got this nailed down when pastors in their 30s and 40s are confused about this issue. I, I think there can be some humility in saying, listen, I know that I have a lot to learn, and, I, and that's okay. I know what I believe. I know the fundamentals. I've got a framework doctrinally, but everyone can grow, and everyone can challenge, yeah. and everyone— But to, to say that, oh, man, you can't— what do you mean you're not sure? What do you mean you need more study? That's crazy. Which is actually hilariously hypocritical. Because you're like, all right, I'm going to study all these different things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't study all those things. Also, can you? are you completely nailed down all these? No, I haven't studied that enough. Yeah. What? Yeah. What do you want from me? <laughs> we'll say, you know, people say, like, uh, you know, I'm sure that I know we don't all have all the answers. And when we get to heaven, we'll find out how wrong we are. Then we say, well, I'm not sure if I have all the answers and I might be wrong on this. Whoa, you're you're done. You're, de- yeah. you're dead you to can't me. Be a good, <laughs> you can't be a good missionary with that. How dare you have some humility? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I always, I always, it's just so funny whenever they're like, you know, when we get to heaven, we'll all find out that we're wrong in some areas. But they don't, like, people don't really mean that because. What they really mean <laughs> is that you might be wrong yeah, in some yeah, areas, yeah. but I'm definitely yeah. not wrong in some areas. Yeah. And then, and then I, I wrote down here some issues that churches separate over don't even have application in the foreign field like king james holyism clothing music hairstyles we i think it's funny we always you know we always like uh we always build up these great missionaries like hudson taylor you know how 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 awesome he was for reaching the nation that he was going to reach and we build him up and then we're like oh wait not only did he wear his hair in a way that would not be approved he wore different clothing that was not approved also crazy ecumenical like crazy you'd be amazed at how loose he didn't even require the fundamentals of the faith like (laughs) he's he required a few of them like it was crazy and and then and but he was very ecumenical and he got stuff done and we we (laughs) applaud him and we're like, you could be the next Hudson Taylor. You know, you could be the next what it just fill in the David blank Livingstone. with. David Livingstone. Yeah, you the, the, the yeah. you could be the next guy. And they're like, okay, like the way they did it. Whoa, no, 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 not like what they did. You know, we can't be like them, but yeah, don't be like be them. Li- I mean, like, who cares that Hudson Taylor literally changed, uh, you know, changed denominations because his denomination didn't require mission and didn't do missions very well. He didn't change. He yeah. just and he was like, yeah. I'm going to China. They're like, no, you're not. No, you're not. And he's he's like, like, yes, I am. Exactly. I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, we're going to be, you know, we're going to change the world. And like, not like they changed the world. You know what I mean? Just it's. Well, it's, same with David Livingstone. Like if people to this day, like I, I love it how people talk about how like, well, 
the people buried his heart in Africa because that's where his heart was. And I'm like, yeah, if that happened to some missionary, if that happened to you on your field, people would be like, wow. So even at the very end, he committed a pagan ritual by burying his heart. It's like, like somebody <laughs> would take that somewhere and just completely just, run with it. Yeah, it's like it's Jesus and John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist was so strict and like he didn't do anything. He was all this. And then the Jesus, he was a wine bibber and a gl- and, and, and a like, no matter. It's like, you know, wisdom is justified of her children. They're always, no matter what you do, they're going to complain. So, and that's it's why. That's why, like, even the appearance of evil, people are like, well, save for the appearance of evil. I'm like, that's the talk when evil appears to avoid it uh, in the King James. That's why all the other ones said avoid every form of evil. But right there, right there, what we just, or we're just talking about, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Because there's always going to be somebody who thinks that something appears badly. Yeah, exactly. So you can't live your life that way. Yeah. That's just too much. And here's what I'll also say, okay? I, pastors who change in theology might suffer a financial loss, okay? There's... There could, there are going to be consequences when people change, and and again, could, would it be ideal if every church would be like, you know, what, we're going to hold the fundamentals to that level, and we're not going to separate over minor issues? That'd be great, you know. That'd be really if everyone did that, but not everybody does that. Every church draws their own lines, and if a pastor changes, if he agrees to one doctrine and then he changes, there could be financial consequences. But here's where a pastor gets to have an advantage: he gets to go before his church that he's been leading forever. They see his testimony. They know him. And he gets to say, let me make an apologetic defense of what I believe and lead you in this. And if you want to leave or if you want me to leave, okay, but at least hear me out. That we don't get, I don't get that as a missionary. No, here's you, get, a, you get rude letters in the mail. Yeah, here's, yeah, <laughs> if I, the, and, and, and they have a chance to keep their financial support, not me. I've got 50 churches. I had I had about 20 churches. I change and 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 I can't I can't talk to all of those churches. I can't I don't know them. I can't change all of their doctrinal statements. I don't have the 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 witness. I there's no way to preserve my salary. There's no way to even defend myself and I, even being told that it'd be terrible to do it anyways and to have there's no winning for us. You know, right. the consequence, yes. Does everybody have consequences for change? Absolutely. But the, the, the consequence level for a missionary is insanely different. It's oh, yeah. like for you, when you went through your church split over drinking alcohol, and I know Bob, uh, I know, I know he had the same issue with his missions that when you did it, you got to say, look, I wrote it in my app. I don't, you went through this story. Yeah. I wrote it in my application. Here it is. Now I get to talk to you about it. Blah, blah, blah. Not him. He makes a change, and overnight he loses ninety percent of his support. Yeah, he doesn't even get to make a defense, and nobody would listen anyway. In fact, it's all, oftentimes like in, in that case and in other cases, it's like the pastor who first hears it feels like it's his moral duty to alert every other church ever and speak on behalf of said missionary instead of letting the missionary have conversations and be mature and handle it properly. And I always found that super immoral because I actually find that slanderous. Like if I am over here, like if I hear news about you. And I'm like, oh, Vincent, you have fallen from grace. I'm calling every single one of your supporting churches. I'm going to get them to drop you overnight. It's so slimy and it's slanderous. I am speaking on your behalf when I have no business doing that. If I have beef with you, I'll talk to you directly. Matthew 18, that bad boy. Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Otherwise, that's between me and you and that's between you and them. It's, We're not going to touch on that. But yeah. That, but you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's, yeah. And that's why I'm like, I'm saying that because I... I've seen it happen dozens of, and I'm saying literally dozens of times 
when suddenly that's what the pastors think is like their moral duty, and it's not. It's not okay. So, but you're right. There is that different thing because when I was pastoring, yes, when we went through the church splits, yes, there was financial repercussions. Um, I ended up getting a full uh, another job to make up for the financial difference. But bottom line is, I still kept working, and that church kept growing, and we still built it, and that church is yeah. still going today. Um, and that was the thing that I had to go through, and I had to, I asked myself that question when I was going through it because. I remember when it came to the alcohol topic. Now, people were using that as their moral high ground to church, split the church when it was really there's all these things that led up to it that were actually control issues. Mm-hmm. And then when they found out there was one area that they knew was controversial enough that I stood on that they could use as leverage, they did. So it was actually really more of a political move. So it really wasn't over alcohol. It was over other issues. Trust me, there was like six months of other issues before they finally... Yeah. Which I remember you talked about yeah, that before too, they but... finally had time to sink yeah. their teeth. Aha! This is the one. This Got is the moment. Got yeah. them. Um, but they weren't ready for an 18-page dissertation that proved them wrong. But I remember when I did that, I would do. I, I went home with Kit to Cali, and her mom was uh, tragically dying at this time of cancer, and my wife was nursing her mother to her deathbed, and I was calling my wife, who was across the country. And I was like, hey, babe, this is what's going on. She didn't know she was coming back home to a church. All these people who she thought loved her were actually putting knives in her back as her mom was dying. And I remember being like, should I just not hold this? Should I just say you're all right and just quote unquote repent and just walk away from that? Then just go, because it's easier. Alcohol is actually not as, as much as we troll on our, that's what it is. It's trolling on the program about it. It's actually not that big of a deal to me. And so I was like, maybe I'll just not have any, ever, ever touch it. Never touch it, never look at it, just get rid of it for the sake of unity. And then I kept thinking about what the truth of Scripture said, though. And I kept going, if I compromise this one area of Scripture, if one area, because it's inconvenient, because people don't like me for it, then what's the next issue? Yeah. This is a small issue, but what's, who, what's, what about what's next? Yeah, and even like when you're talking about like financial stuff, like I remember when I, when I went over this, and again, this is not a... a you know, this is a judgment call. Okay, I'm going to make this judgment call. I'm going to oh. be spicy. This oh, is going to happen. spicy. Let's do it. It's not that spicy. You know me, oh, but okay. no, I mean. Mildly um, spicy. It's mildly mild. spicy. It's mild. Yeah, it's like, well, it's like, it's like, you're like taco, not like the mild, but like the Diablo. You know what I mean? It's like just a little bit extra, but not too much extra. Okay, okay. okay yeah, right, so Diablo right. sauce, devil sauce. That seems appropriate, but, <laughs> but no, like some missionaries, they, you know, they keep their head down and they don't say anything and, and they just kind of. Go with the flow and let people support them. And and again, uh, I'm not going to make a judgment call. I'm not going to make too harsh of a judgment call because I was given that information um, as a missionary that you don't know why people support you. So if if you know if you're not sure if they're supporting you based upon preconceived notions or whatnot, just don't make a big deal out of it. Uh, but I began realizing, listen, if I just hide over this issue, um, there's a few. There could be a few complications. One, I could be deceiving people. Who, are, who could be supporting me based upon they believe, they think that I believe one thing and I don't. And two, uh, I, had, I included that in my doctrinal statement. And that was one of the biggest problems is that when they looked at me and these churches that supported me, I believed one thing and I changed. As a, as a missionary, as a minister, as a preacher of the word of God, as a teacher, that would disqualify me to, to uh, the Bible calls it, well, the King James calls it filthy lucre. Um, to be willing to to lie, to be willing to compromise, to be willing uh, to to say to teach and preach something that you don't believe for the sake of money, and for the sake of your your well being and your that's wrong. And it, it it I don't care how you say it, it's wrong. You cannot 
what matters more? Your your ability to stand on something, even if it's not a hill that you die on, you can't say that you don't uh, that you can't teach something you don't believe. This is it's more. I would rather lose all the money than to than misrepresent myself and teach something that I didn't believe. Exactly, and I think that's actually such a great point. So, um, and then so. And I think people also seem to forget how difficult it is because that means we already touched on this, but missionaries then have to agree with multiple churches. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard. Yeah. Like my sister would talk about one area, one church. They like the women wouldn't wear denim skirts. My sister would. And she found out, oh crap, oh no. You know, oh, this one women are would wear makeup. This one they wouldn't. Oh, this one they are okay with this kind of music, but this one they're not. And she was like, and it was this constant, like you were showing up and you never knew what to expect. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. And that's what and it almost creates like an atmosphere of like you don't want to talk. I remember talking with a pastor, he's actually he's still one of our supporting pastors. And I remember telling him, Do you, you don't understand how refreshing it is to be able to have a conversation with a pastor? about theology and not be terrified because you'll be in some places and you're like, Oh, this is a great church. And they'll say something and you're like, Oh no, you know, like (laughs) I'm going to have, Oh, this is going to be so awkward when they want to support us and they won't be able to, because they just made a statement about how terrible, you know, it is for a woman to wear pants or whatnot. My wife wears pants or, or, you know, how, how you, you don't, you can't post certain things on Facebook because what if somebody sees or, you know, I can't, and I can't, I can't do anything. You know, you'd, you'd be afraid, you, I, you know, reading devotions, I'd read them off my phone because I use a different translation than the King James. But yeah, at some places you bring another Bible version and not only are you not going to get support, but it's going to be a thing. And so thankfully, um, yeah, it's hard. And that is, is ridiculous. If everyone separated over every issue, you would never get support. It'd be an impossibility. Thankfully, my 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 support now. I've got varieties. I've got charismatic churches. I have Baptist churches. I have non-denominational churches. I have uh, churches from all different spectrums, and they don't require me to agree on everything. And that is, a, as a missionary, a breath of fresh. It's relieving yeah. because I can study. It's amazing to where I can study something now at my house and not be afraid that oh man, like. In two years, am I going to have to come back from the field because, I, because oh, no, what if I'm wrong? And I, maybe I don't change, but that fear, it, it destroys you. It, it's, the pressure is atrocious. It's, a, it's incredible how I, scary it is. That's why I was joking around with you. Uh, what was it, yesterday? I was like, I could not be a missionary. I'm way too outspoken. Like, because I would just, I'd hear something absurd, and I would be like, <laughs> oh, wait, you're all serious. Yeah. Oh crap. Or I'd be like, he mentioned stuff like, oh, you know, and I just in a conversation we're like, I oh, actually, well, I think this, I think that doesn't make sense because of this and this and this, and then suddenly they're like, we're not supporting you. I'm like, crap. Yeah, this I is know. My yeah. Fifty sixth church <laughs> in a row. <laughs> I know. I remember telling my wife, man. I remember. I, I remember telling her, like, man, if this is what deputation is going to be like, I don't want to be a missionary. I don't want to. In fact, th- there came a point where I was like, do I don't even want to go to church, and that's sad. Like, I, this is terrible. Like, like I'm this, scared to go to the, church because the, I could... The politics of this, yeah, it's like church is supposed to be incredible. Church is supposed to be family. And, and, and instead, church is an anxiety attack every time I go because you don't know what to expect. And, and you're like, man, if this is what missions is about, I don't want to do it. Like, I don't... I don't want to play this game. This is terrible. Yeah, well, I've, I, I went through the same thing as a, as a pastor. I was like, if this is what ministry is, I don't want it. 
And then here I am still in it. But <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. Joke, yeah. That's the joke, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's like okay, yeah. I mean, I don't like this part, but it, but you think of the higher calling. That's yeah. the, that's the only thing that keeps it going mm-hmm. half the time. Luckily for me, I got a good group of friends that now support me and help me and build me up. Brian being one of them, who is not here, may he rest his soul. Um, and then uh, Andrew, he'll who was on here recently, what did you say? I said he'll be fine. He, I don't know. He seemed a little hurt. He'll, yeah, we. So did you tell him we called him before, right before? I can't believe we, we did we, not. Yeah, we talked to him right before this, and he's like, "Oh, you know, I used to be on this podcast." Blah blah. blah. <laughs> he's fine. He's just a big baby. <laughs> He'll grow up one day. It's Came fine. for Will, stayed for Brian. Now they're staying for Vincent. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, but, that's awesome. So, um, so uh, that's for clarification, uh, and we'll we'll wrap this up. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, what are you not saying? Yeah, yeah. So here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that 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 um. Uh, let's see that I got wrote one the missionaries should have the right to set doctrinal boundaries for their supporting churches in the sense that missionaries can't just be like, well, you know, I'm comfortable with these differences in theologies. So you have to be too. And, uh, and, and you have to conform to my will as far as this goes. Um, and, and the kind of the flip side of that coin would be, um, I'm not also. I'm also not saying the churches shouldn't make decisions concerning what they're comfortable supporting. That no matter how much we, no matter how much we all want to change the world, and no matter how much we want to change their philosophies, there are going to be things that some people are comfortable supporting and some things that they aren't. And that line is going to be different for everyone. So this is not saying not to draw a line that everything right. goes. This is not saying that that. And again, it's kind of, there's a nuance there that, that you're almost saying it, but here's, but here's a, I got dropped by a lot of churches and you know what? I will be, I will be open to say there were, there were a few harder conversations, but for the most part, they're very gracious. And here's what I didn't do. You're all terrible. I didn't say you're, how dare you draw this line that I don't agree with? Listen, I have a line. You have a line. Our lines are different and that's okay. You have every right to draw this line, even if I disagree that it should be there. And I don't have to overstep that boundary. If this is where you're comfortable with, and I entered into a contract with you, knowing that that was going to be the line, then, then okay, I bear the consequences of that. You are going to bear the consequences of wherever you set your line. But I, I'm not going to make it my job, nor is it my job, to control the doctrinal beliefs and the, the, the preferences and everything of every single church that I want support from. Because, frankly, there might be churches I don't want their support, mm-hmm. no matter how much they change. Right, right, exactly. And that's, I, I think you're way more gracious than me. I'm like, yeah, you can set your boundaries, but make sure they're within the fundamentals, you adults. Yeah. Stop making, it, stop making it an impossible. Stop trying to look for your perfect missionary candidate when they're going yeah. to weird countries. And, and here's also what I'm not saying. I don't believe missionaries should deceive churches about their doctrine to gain support. And here's what I mean by that. Missionaries... If I can just be frank with you, and I know that this is the the way that you are taught, this is the status quo of missions. Don't be a chameleon. Don't keep your head down for multiple reasons. One, I can speak from experience that you don't want to be in a you want to you want to you want to be supported by churches that you'd be comfortable taking your family to on furlough. You're going to be entering a long-term partnership with these churches. Make sure it's a church that you're comfortable with. 
Um, you're also going to be there. Churches are going to draw their lines. And, and if you know that that's their line, be honest about it. Don't because here's what's going to happen. Either they're going to think that you intentionally deceived them. And maybe you did. That's wrong. Here's another problem. What if you didn't mean to deceive them? Well, here's the problem that I had. I had wonderful churches that supported me for a year. Do you know how hard that was for me and them? I remember talking to a pastor, I won't mention, and he was upset. He was he was almost in tears because they loved us, and, and this was a conviction that they had, and they didn't know that this was a, a, a change that we had. And so that that heartbreak over a misunderstanding is is going to be difficult. And and I know that I was kind of retweet I was kind of tweeted at by Bill Reeves. And and again, Bill Reeves can even set his own line. So I know I was tweeted at by Personally Bill Reeves can, you know, he needs a good butt whooping if you ask me. But keep going. But Bill Reeves Bill Reeves <laughs> tweeted me and he said, Missionary, you know, it's your duty if if a church supports you uh, you know, based upon this and what they think that you are and you change, you have the you should inform the churches. And I absolutely agree with that statement. If they made that a line in the sand that you cannot cross and you cross that line and you know you did, be honest about it. Be be the bigger person. Don't keep your head down. It's not about the money. And I believe that missionaries should have the freedom to change on beliefs. Missionaries, uh, I, but I don't believe that missionaries, I'm not saying missionaries could just change everything, and and that's okay. Well, but, you can't deny Orthodox Christianity because yeah, you're you, not Christian. Yeah, and again, everybody's going to define that differently. But if you deny— Historically, first yeah, 500 years, first five creeds, folks. Yeah, and I, I feel like there's like a, a false dichotomy where it's like— well, if you don't agree with us on everything, then you must be advocating loose theology, and you don't just believe everything you want as long as you know you love Jesus. And and again, I'm not. I say that facetiously. That's a pretty good straw man. But but there are <laughs> churches that don't. I'm not saying be weak the, uh, theology wise. I'm not saying just believe whatever you want. And churches should just you know for the sake of the gospel. Listen, if it's a make it, if this is going to affect the gospel by every means you know, drop that missionary. And, and if, yeah, whatever the case may be, if they're, if they're doing something and if they, if they make a change that you're not comfortable with, they make a change where this is not biblical Christianity, you might have to drop them. It's not a free for all for missionaries, nor is it a free for all for churches. Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, that's why I was I, like, but that's why I'm still very careful. Like when you say biblical issue, because certain people interpret that. Yeah, exactly. So that's why sure. I'm like, I'm like, okay, that's why I think historical Christianity is important. That's why I always reference uh, paleo orthodoxy, which is first 500 years, first five creeds of the Christian church. And a lot of that has to do with the nature of Christ and the blood atonement. Mm -hmm. So if you can go there, then you can get behind a lot of stuff, missionaries and you'll realize that we're actually all on the same team. So, um, so, question I ask everybody, and uh, we're we're running over time here, so we'll just try to make this part quick, fast and fast and quick. But how do you think you can help bring unity to the divided body? Yeah. So, as a missionary, um, missions work, I believe, is a great um, place for refocusing, uh, because he, obviously we're talking about the problem with with missionaries, the problem with studying theology, the problems with everything. Uh, missions is great for for refocusing, for for making the main thing the main thing, and that. Um, yeah, everybody has their differences. Everything has. But does your eschatology really mean that you don't want to send a missionary to an area that's never had the gospel? Does your differences on te Bible texts, does your differences on name the secondary or third level issue? 
Is that is that really is that's what you're saying by not by dropping a missionary? What you're saying is is that regardless of what you're doing with the gospel, I can't support you over this issue. You have made that issue bigger than the gospel. And so if we could bring unity, here's what I'd say. The gospel should unify despite differences. I don't agree with all my my supporting churches. And that's okay because we all recognize the gospel is so much more important than when you believe the rapture or if the rapture. The gospel is so much more important than what translation you use in English. The gospel means everything. That's our command. That's our job. Exactly. And so it should be the gospel that unifies us. And like you said, you don't agree with all your supporting churches. Your supporting churches don't all agree with you, but they still support you. Yeah. And yeah. we know it. We all know it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's a, probably one of the best ways to put it. So I, I like this one note you have here. So you says, when we realize that the gospel is the most important thing, that billions of people will go to hell without the gospel, it should put things into perspective. The divisions no longer seem important when you see, when you count the cost. Yeah. I thought that's just like, it's like, yeah, it's like, okay. Is it really worth it? Those people's souls. I get so tired now. When I was talking about like even like Bill Reeves there, uh, you know, I was like he needs to get, you know he needs to be beat up at some point. Obviously, I'm not talking about physically assaulted on purpose. Like it's a joke, okay? Facetious. But the point is that some of these people, it's like you are. It's vile. What what how how far you've raised these the bar for people. And we need to unify under the gospel. If we can't unify, and you know what? I can disagree with you. We can have fun debates all day. Mm -hmm. I love it. I really enjoy debates and discussion. But in the end, mm -hmm. the gospel needs to be what unifies us. Yes. That's why I can look at somebody in the eye who I completely disagree with and say, I love you as a brother in Christ. And not a lot of them always return the same favor yeah. to me. And but. we'll say openly, uh, Bill Reeves, we love you, man. And I know that, I know if you watch this, uh, you know, I was the missionary that you're talking about. I don't know if you know that, but, but I know, I, again, I, I hope you're supporting missions. Draw the line wherever you want. Uh, but we'll say that the gospel unifies. And if you're, you're reaching people with the gospel, I know differences and whatnot, but that is the main thing. You're more, far more gracious than I am uh, when it comes to when it comes to him. I do love him, but I worry for him. Let me put it to you that way. I am greatly concerned for the man. Um, for many reasons, but I, that's, that's not that conversation for that. It's not the time for that, but I do want to say that the gospel does unify and I mm -hmm. do hope I see a change in heart and attitude toward a lot of people, not just him, but a lot of people, man. Mm -hmm. I, it's, it's, it's actually heartbreaking when I see that as a pastor who's been on. So it's funny because a lot of times in the RFP network, people talk about abusive pastors, right? Like the abusive pastor, the narcissistic pastor who spiritually abused us all. It's like, I received that on the other end as a pastor who was dealing with like, a chunk of legalists in the church attacking me. Uh, and it was actually mm -hmm. like a toxic congregation issue. It was very weird because I now have a different perspective for pastors, what they go through. Yeah, And it sad, saddens me that people can't unify around the gospel. I mean, if I, ha I mean, on my deacon board, dude, I had a Molinist and I had a Calvinist and I had a standard Baptist and I had a reformed guy. Um, no Arminians. Uh, no. No Arminians at the time. It's lame. Yeah, super lame. <laughs> Where um, was David when you needed him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. So, yeah, come on, Paulman. Uh, but <laughs> the uh, friend of the channel, for people who don't know who I'm talking about. But, you know, we were – but having all those people uh, on there really helped us keep that focus. Yeah. And it helped us keep a well-rounded view. And it was possible. And mm -hmm. you'd be surprised how well it functioned together. Yes, we went through a split, and we had to get through some trashy people that were really a pain in the neck. But once we got that unified group, it's like, look, we have these differences, but who cares? Yep. 
And it made the church a better place. Mm -hmm. And we actually saw people get saved. We saw people's lives turn around and change for the gospel. And the gospel's a life-changing thing. It's what unifies us. So anyway, with that being said, uh, Vincent, I really appreciate you coming onto the channel. This has been fun. Go ahead and support uh, Vincent and his family uh, as they go to this uh, other country. Please, uh, again, email right here. Check out the Patreon below if you want to support them. They would greatly appreciate your support as they have recently gone through a large drop in support, but we want to get the gospel out. So support us there. Help the gospel unify. You can be an example of that by just giving even five bucks a month. I know they would be appreciative of anything you throw their way. Um, but of course, they appreciate five five dollars, but they appreciate 500 more. Yeah, yeah, for sure, 100%. So they don't call you moochinaries for nothing, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All oh, right, man, guys. I hate that. No, just <laughs> we won't get into that. We won't get into that. Oh, we won't get into that. Okay. But, guys, thank you so much again for well, listening to The Church Split. Um, stay tuned for the next episode as Brian and I start taking a deep dive into various other parts of theology. So take care, guys, and God bless. See you guys.